To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, it's happening, guys. Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, I have on Justice Nielsen. So Justice, I met him at the Western Hunting Expo, and he's a, I really believe he's the next generation of hunter. Uh, this young man, he works at a bow shop. He works at No Limits Archery out of Denver, uh, which is uh, owned and operated by Philip Mendoza. Uh, Philip's a great guy. I really enjoy him. And then also, uh, there's another guy I really like in the shop, Braden. And um, so Justice has these great mentors, and he's just fallen in love with Western hunting and really committed himself to archery, to accuracy, to improving at hunting. And he just brings a great perspective to the podcast. So uh, he's the next generation of hunter. Uh, I really like this kid, and it made for a great podcast. So Justice Nielsen. We'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple of our sponsors. I want to thank Swagger Bipods. Uh, Swagger is building the best bipods on the market, and they have a couple different products. Uh, so they've got their um, their Swagger 42, which is their standard length uh, bipod, and it really it's spring tension loaded, where you can lean or you can swivel to keep on target. And then also, it's got a quick detach to it. So you don't have to carry your bipod on your rifle. You can carry it somewhere quick, attach it to your rifle when you get ready to shoot. And it's really nice because you can do a sitting, kneeling position. Uh, You can do prone. It just gives you so many options. And the key to being a great rifle shot is a great rest. And and Swagger builds a great one. So they have that one. Uh, They also have... See, I'm sitting... I just got... um, this new one here. Um, I can't wait to get on my rifle. So this is their Steel Banger Basic. Um, so it's a little bit smaller bipod on that rifle. Smaller, lighter weight, and still has all the same features of the 42. Uh, they also, if you're not into using the bipods or having that extra weight on your rifle, uh, they also make uh, Stalker Light shooting sticks. Um, so these are spring tension loaded as well a real intelligent design, and just great shooting sticks to carry in the field. So if you're in the market for new bipod, new shooting sticks, make sure to check out Swagger. I also want to thank Sitka Gear. Uh, Sitka builds the best technical mountaineering gear on the planet. Uh, I absolutely love this as they continue to evolve their fabric, their fit, their function, and it just keeps me out in the woods longer, more comfortable, and really makes me more effective. Uh, I love their their insulating layers, their Kelvin Light. Uh, their new Kelvin Light jacket is amazing. Uh, it's an insulating layer like a puffy jacket, and um, man, this thing keeps me warm on the vantage point or at camp or any time when I'm not hiking. Sometimes I'll wear it when I'm hiking uh, just to keep warm for a little bit until I start sweating. Uh, they also make their, their Kelvin light pants. They're a three-quarter cut pack pant, uh, puffy pant. This makes all the difference on a vantage point, uh, not only to have a uh, an insulating layer on the upper part of your body, but also the lower part. And, and they have systems for every type of hunting you're going to be doing, all the way from early season 
I, I love their Ascent pants, lightweight hoodie. I can hunt in 100-degree heat. I can hunt Hawaii with that stuff. And, and then it's just adding some pieces for the different seasons. Um, I love their their Apex hoodie is awesome for mid-season. I've been using that a bunch. Their heavyweight hoodie. Uh, and then you step up to, you know, they've got Kelvin Light vest, that Kelvin Light jacket that I mentioned, great shells. Um, they, they just have absolutely everything all the way from early season to my late season hunts. Uh, my next hunt will be a November mule deer hunt, which I'll really be utilizing my Sika gear to keep me alive and warm out there. Uh, all the way to, you know, I have a January hunt as well. Uh, so I absolutely love their gear. If you're in the market for a new piece, make sure to check out Sika Hunting Clothing. And with that, um, check out everything we have going on at Eastman's. You can check out uh, my other podcast. Uh, it's called Flycast. You can get it anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, check out uh, Beyond the Grid. And just go on YouTube, search Eastman's Hunting TV, and it'll come up with all our, our internet shows. Um, there's a bunch of shows of mine on there, elk hunts and high country mule deer hunts uh, that they've been releasing um, from the last handful of years. And then also uh, make sure to set your DVR to Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel. Uh, we got some great episodes coming out there. Uh, I have a, a great elk hunt from last year that's on there and uh, definitely have a couple good hunts coming up. Uh, I filmed uh, um, a couple a couple deer hunts this year, high country deer hunt and then a sage country deer hunt. Um, talked about them on the podcast. So those will be really fun to, to see all edited up and share with you guys. So check out that. Check out our magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Um, some great articles from our staff writers in there and, and then you know great subscriber stories too uh tony treach has had some great ones in there i saw henry henry ferguson uh he just had an article in there um i get a ton of motivation from these guys and i love reading you know their story you know from their perspective and so um it's just an awesome magazine and also we have the mrs the members research section, uh, which really helps you get a feel for all these Western states, the different tags that are option that are uh, available. And then, um, you know, it, it lets you know where the population sit in the state, where the good hunting is, bow hunting opportunities, rifle hunting opportunities. Uh, it's just a great program that I use all the time to, um, to, to help narrow down where I'm going to be hunting out west. So uh, those come standard with a subscription to Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. And uh, now we also have an internet research tool where we've compiled all that data for you, and it's called uh, Eastman's Tag Hub. Um, so with that, man, what a hunting season. Um, so much fun just to have the time and go chase critters around and quality time with friends and family and... Um, stretch the legs, breathe in that clean mountain air. Man, it just doesn't get any better than that. Uh, I, I'm I'm riding a high. I'm on cloud nine. I've got to get back to work here, get back to the podcast, get some things done, but uh, what a season thus far. Uh, still got a couple hunts coming up that I'm looking forward to. Uh, continue to train and put in the work. Man, does it pay dividends. Um, so uh, no days off for me. Like I've tasted that success and, and definitely want to taste it again so uh i haven't really missed a i i've maybe had one or two days off the whole hunting season but pretty much running in between hunts and uh after these hunts finished up 
did a really good one up the mountain last night with my dog. And, um, man, I just, I absolutely love this lifestyle and love working hard towards my goals. So, uh, it's, it's just been, uh, better than I could, could ever hope for. So, uh, just so pumped on it right now and, uh, just want to get you guys out some good recordings and, uh, keep this thing rolling. So let's get right into this. This is, uh, Justice Nielsen. Um, just a great kid, a go-getter. I believe the next generation of bow hunters coming up, and uh, it's a fascinating conversation. So uh, here we go. Eastman's Elevated. Okay, I'm here with Justin Nielsen. Um, so this is a young man I met at the Western Hunting Expo. And uh, I was so impressed, I started following along, and um, he's been on a ton of adventures and I just really believe that he's the next generation of bow hunters that that get to learn from all this great content out here and improve their their learning curve. And and so I wanted to get him on the podcast today. Thanks so much for being on, Justice. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Dude, I'm so impressed. Like consistent success with the bow and arrow is so difficult, and uh, you found a way to do it. Um, it has got a lot more to do with the 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 people that have sort of showed me the ropes than than myself i think yeah so well let's um let's get into your story or into your background a little bit and so how old are you i'm 18 18 years old man good for you you got that youth on your side (laughs) yes sir (laughs) and and tell me just a little bit about your background how you got started in hunting um, I mean, the bow shop you're working at now, and, and just how you you dove headfirst into this hunting lifestyle, into this bow hunting lifestyle. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I've been hunting as long as I could remember. My dad got me into it. Um, I got my first BB gun, I think I was like five. Um, and I mean, I was chasing squirrels, birds, you name it. Um, I was chasing them with my BB gun. We'd go camping and I'd always be there begging my dad, hey, let's let's go chase squirrels, let's go chase squirrels. Um, and he sort of introduced me to it, but I mean, I spent every moment that I possibly could watching YouTube videos of guys hunting, um, I mean, just researching, just totally immersing myself in it, trying to soak up every bit of knowledge I could. Because like I saw all these guys on the Outdoor Channel, um, just like watching all these hunting shows and stuff, and I was like, oh, I want, like, I want to be like that, that looks so much fun. Um, and so I just, every bit of information I could soak up, I was, um, and I'm, like I said, I was probably five when I first started hunting, um, with my dad. And then when I turned 13, um, so only five years ago, got my first compound bow. Um, and when I was eight, I had actually bought myself a little, I had some Christmas money, and so I went and I bought a little uh, bear goblin, just a little recurve, um, and I'd fling arrows with that, and I saw these guys shooting compounds and stuff, and one of my really good buddies, his name's Caleb Wittier, he had a compound, um, and so I I wrote a list to my mom to convince her to allow me to get one, (laughs) and uh, we had to talk about it, and she was like, hey, I'll go half and half with you, Um, so i worked all summer saved up money um and then me and my mom went half and half on this compound bow that i shot for a couple years um went on a uh uh whitetail hunting trip down in arkansas with caleb and his dad got my first bow kill down there when i was i was 14 or 
15. Um, so, I mean, in all honesty, it's not even like I've been doing this like for an insane amount of time. Um, but it has taken up a large portion of my life. Uh, and then, yeah, so when I was 15, moved up to Denver. My dad got a promotion in his company, um, moved up here. And Phil Mendoza, the owner of uh, No Limits Archery, I'd watched him on YouTube growing up. Um, and, I mean, I fanboyed over Phil. And I didn't tell him that until I had worked here for about two years. <laughs> um, but I shot him an email, um, set up an interview, and ended up getting a job here at the shop. And so I've been here for three years now. Um, and, I mean, it just – the biggest thing for me was finding all this knowledge and good sources of knowledge, not just like your average know-it-all on YouTube. Um, like people that were humble and, uh, and genuinely cared about the industry – and, uh, and the betterment of it. And Phil was one of those people and he was so willing to share knowledge with me. Um, and I mean, all the guys here at the shop, uh, Bo, Jason, Braden, they're, they're all awesome guys and they're so willing to share knowledge, um, that it's, it's really nice for a kid like me because I'm young and without these sources of knowledge, I would not be anywhere near where I am now. Um, so, so that's sort of the, the story up to, up to now, but I mean, the biggest thing for me was just finding these uh, sources of knowledge and just soaking up everything that they had to tell me. Man, um, that's perfect, Justice. Yeah, that's exactly um, how I perceive things. It just looks like you're always thirsty and hungry for knowledge and 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 ready to take it in. Um, and and good on you. You chose like really good role models too. Um, you know, you mentioned you know uh, uh, being you know, uh, uh, good people or people that want to better the industry. And I think that's important too, to follow after the, the right people. And then, you know, you've just fallen in love with it. There's so many distractions when you're in high school, it's tough to put all your energy into something, but you, you learned at a young age that this was something that you really liked. And, and then, you know, you, you, you just committed yourself to, to getting as good as you can get in the shortest amount of time or gathering as much knowledge as you can. And man, that's the roadmap for success in all things in life, you know? Um, so good on you. And I know, yeah, what, a, what great influences, you know, Phil Mendoza, um, you know, it seems like a really good guy, all my interactions with him. And then I really like Braden in there at the shop. I've met him a couple times and, um, seems like a really solid dude. And, these these mentors are so important to our learning too. These guys that are willing to take us under their wing or, or teach us information or you know give us just that little tidbit. And you know if I if I'm reading you right, it's not like you're looking for a secret spot. You, you're looking for the knowledge to be able to find your own secret spot. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I uh, I like as long as I can remember, I've just loved being out in the mountains and stuff. Um, and it's like, I want to be able to put the work in because it's a lot more gratifying when, uh, when you do something yourself and then you're successful. It's like setting up my own bows, like all my bows, I set up out of the box, tune them, everything. And then to take an animal with that bow is so much more gratifying than going into like sportsman's or something. Not, or Bass Pro, your normal box store, Cabela's, whatever, having them set it up and not really being immersed in the process. Um, I mean, really doing it yourself, it's just so much more gratifying. So being able to gain the knowledge 
and then um, go out and act on it is it's a lot more gratifying in the long run. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, that's so that's so smart. You you've um, you you've picked up some really good tidbits in your 18 years to learn that lesson early on and just know that okay, the harder I work at something or the more I put into it, the more it means to me or the better this feels, the more gratifying it is. Uh, like that's a really good life lesson to already have a good firm grasp on, you know? So yeah, that's that's so important, man. Um, man, it's just like uh, 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 being able to, 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 to learn every facet of what you love to do and, and like your deep dives on bows, working at that shop the last three years, setting up your bow from scratch, which I say I take the same pride in my bows of, you know, I'm the only person that touches them after they leave the factory. And, and, and then to take it to that next level of understanding by having smart guys around you and being able to ask questions and then just being comfortable enough to move things around you get this higher understanding of archery and of shooting than anybody else has just because of, of, of your immersion in it, you know? And so, man, I, I think you're spot on and like how big a role has that archery knowledge, um, played a part in your success? Yeah, yeah, man. Um, it's, I mean, just being around these, uh, these guys here at the shop, it's, they've been my biggest mentors hands down. Um, I mean, like, they're all, like, family to me. And uh, understanding your bow – so, like, before I came into the shop, what I would realize a lot is, like, maybe my groups would be opening up or I wouldn't be hitting where I wanted to. Um, but, like, the day before, I was pounding the center, and I was like, oh, what the heck, what the heck, what the heck? And I just sat there, and I beat myself up, and I couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. Um, so I, I, I honestly think just the knowledge of the bow – knowing your equipment allows you to assess any problems that you have so much better. Um, and so like, that's, what's been really good for me is because if I run into something out in the field, I have complete confidence that I can take care of it out there. Um, I know my bow well enough. I know my equipment well enough that whatever it is, I I know that I'm going to be able to either one fix it or, um, or mediate the problem long enough for it to work, you know, until I can get to the equipment for, uh, to completely fix it. But, uh, it's, it's definitely played a huge role in my confidence, uh, just in shooting in general. And that's the knowledge of the equipment. Confidence kills, doesn't it? Just like believing in that, believing you can put it in the center and you're right. You build that skill set, And then if something goes wrong, you, you, you can see it, you can address it, and you can fix it. And, you know, even if you have a press out in the field or you have to change something out and you have to recite in, it's like believing in your in your knowledge base to be able to make those adjustments and fix things. Like, that's huge. And then just walking around the woods with confidence. Um, and, and it's got to help, like, being around those guys ha- has got to encourage, like, uh, positive shooting habits as well. And, you know, you're – you're young and you were you just came there willing to learn with no ego ready to soak in information and you know like you're the type of guy that 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 can get that knowledge and do something with it so how much do you think it's improved like your your shooting skill and execution in there um it's it's definitely definitely helped a lot i don't know if i'd go as far as saying no ego um (laughs) (laughs) well we all have a little bit right 
<laughs> yes, sir. Um, so one of the guys here in the shop, his name's Bo Theory, um, and he he really took me under his wing as soon as I started here. Um, and he always dogs on me about my form because, um, I mean, even still, sometimes I'll still kind of get lazy. And uh, it's just having that reinforcement. Um, it, the people that are better than me um, – they just always remind me, hey, here, work on this because it's going to make you better in the long run. And I'm not above accepting help. Um, Bo will come up behind me all the time, and I, I generally shoot with a relatively high front shoulder. It's not terrible, but it's it's also not perfect. And he'll come up behind me, and he's like, dude, watch the shoulder, watch the shoulder, watch the shoulder. Um, and just that, that reinforcement um, – it, it basically makes it second nature. So when you're in the field, you could be in a funky angle. You could be on uneven footing, um, shooting uphill, downhill, whatever. It, it basically becomes second nature because all of that positive reinforcement, it's it's second nature now. You don't have to think about it. Your form is good in the field, whether you're on flat ground or uneven ground, um, which I really think will will set you apart in in successfully harvesting animals because if you can't put that arrow where you want it then you're not going to kill an animal boy that that's spot on yeah you're exactly right um yeah again it comes back to those mentors and i've had some really good mentors in archery as well and yeah being able to remind you of those small things and that shot just doesn't break as good with a high shoulder it's not you're not pulling as hard against a solid anchor. It's like your shoulder will move on you, and so that low shoulder is super important to your form. But having that like uh, that that positive reinforcement that you're stating from your mentors, and it's not that they're picking on you or they're truly trying to help you in your shooting. And I just always thought, you know, you can learn something from everybody. But I always tend to pay a little bit more attention to the guys that are better than me. You know, it's like if, if they've, they've got a firm grasp on it or can shoot a bow better than I can, all of a sudden I'm all ears. You know, it's like a, you can have somebody come up to you that, that doesn't shoot very well, and it's a little bit tougher to take his advice. But those shooters that can outshoot me, like uh, I, I'm all ears with those guys. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm the exact same way. That's one of the things that – my parents were pretty good at uh, teaching me early on was uh, if you uh, if you hang around people that are uh, not necessarily worse than you but um, don't maybe have the same drive or anything eventually they're going to take you down to their level um, now if you hang around people that are incredibly successful have this drive and this this desire to be the best at what they do then you will end up like them and uh, that's why I mean just here in the shop I I absolutely love soaking up information. I mean, like when I met you at Western, like you're a mule deer freak, you know, those animals so well. So as soon as I met you, I started asking mule deer questions. Cause I was like, Hey, I love mule deer. I want to learn more about how to hunt them, be more successful. So I'm going to talk to the guys that know all this stuff about mule deer, get as much knowledge as I can. That's smart. Yeah. Your parents taught you some good life lessons or you've learned some good life lessons along the way. Yeah, that's just it. You, you know, and in, in all facets of life, you you can you become who you hang out with, and definitely guys that that raise your level or uh, have something to add or better than you. And you mentioned your buddy Caleb in the beginning of the podcast. You guys still hunt together, right? Yeah. So Caleb and I have been, I mean, basically joined at the hip since we were twelve, I think. Um, 
And so we, we still hunt together and, uh, he's come, me and him are to, uh, Texas on a pig hunt together in October. So, I mean, literally any chance we have, um, we go chase critters together. Good for you. Good hunting partner. Yes, sir. Yeah. And we, uh, got a buddy, Braden. He came up with us to, uh, not the same Braden as in the shop. His name's Braden Finnegan. He came up with us to Alaska and, uh, He's he's quickly being added into uh, the hunting group. The three of us, I mean, we all just have n- nearly identical hunting styles, and uh, it's it's always a hoot when you get the three of us together. So I'm uh, I'm sure there will be uh, many animals to come in our future. Man, that's awesome. When you find like good hunting buddies or good good buddies to hang out with, there there's just nothing finer. And it's really tough to find good hunting partners, you know, like. Like you said, similar hunting styles. I think that's a real important trait that you want to have, you know, in looking for a hunting partner. And then I think, like, um, you want somebody with the same drive and the same passion and excitement for it as you have. Um, but but also you need a good guy that's like uh, wants your success as much as he wants his. You know, wants the team's success. Is happy for his buddy when he's successful and helps to pack out a good attitude. Like, there's so many traits there. I, I think finding a hunting partner is um, kind of like trying to find a wife. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just takes those, like those really good traits. But when you find a good hunting partner, like you have in Caleb or um, yeah, there's just nothing better. I've, you know, I've got this buddy, Dan, that I hunt with a bunch and um, man, we've been hunting together for so long like we've just developed similar styles to where like we pretty much hunt alike like uh exactly like you described and um man he's just as as good of a hunting partner as a guy could ask for for sure i love going on adventures with him and you know he adds to it too you know a lot of times you you bring another guy and so you've got another bow hunter or a buddy with you and um you know there's a dynamic there where you have to split stocks or give stocks to guys or you know, you're both looking to harvest a buck and you're both putting in all the work and effort. And so that can be a tough dynamic to kind of come up with uh, who's going to stock, whose spot it is. And then, you know, you, you can't have a buddy go back into your spots and bring other friends. And there's so much going on there, you know. So uh, uh, when you when you find a good hunting buddy, yeah, you, you, you hold on and, and plan a bunch of hunts with them, you know. So that's cool you got that in Caleb. Yes, sir. Yeah, it makes you better. Oh, that's that was the point I was trying to get to is it makes you better. I really think going with Dan, like you go on these big hunts and um, you have to split uh, stocks on animals. And so, you know, one guy's up on one stock and then it'll be the next guy or sometimes he'll get two in a row. It's just the way the situation works. But I truly believe that having Dan on that hunt, uh, we push harder and he's such a good glasser and puts in so much effort you know, as I'm glassing one side, Dan's walking over to the other side and looking at a fresh feature, looking over the top. And then just like the military has a saying that um, uh, two is one and one is none. And they're talking about team members like a sniper team, how like two is one and one is none. Like you're nothing without your your hunt buddy and or without your battle buddy. And it's the same thing with a hunting buddy, too. You're not quite one as none, but uh, you're definitely tougher together and better together. And you can also, you know, Dan's such a a good, accomplished hunter that we can split up and I just never worry about that guy. And so we can split up and go two different directions. We can hunt different places every day. And then we're coming back to camp at night and we're laughing and we're joking around. And if 
I found good hunting, then I'm bringing Dan in with me and vice versa. But you almost get twice as much information because Dan's out hunting just as hard as I am. You know, you a couple different vantage points are always spinning around the vantage points. So I really think going with a good buddy, you know, I think he he adds more than, than he takes away. I think we find twice as many critters and have just as much success as I as I do by myself. Yeah, man, I am on the exact same page as you. It's uh, it's really nice having having buddies that push you. And uh, I mean, just like you said, it's it, you, your buddy might be hunting just as hard as you, but in a different area. So uh, that's going to open up a lot more opportunity. And uh, I mean, four eyes are better than two. So yeah, and there's nothing better than like you get your butt kicked all day long and you come back to camp and then Dan goes, hey, I found the party. The elk were going off. We're going to the spot tomorrow. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> or even if he just got into him, it's just like, it's it's just, a, you know, we get these doses of adrenaline while we're hunting. It's not all about the shot and harvesting that animal. Like we get doses of adrenaline, finding critters, looking at them through the glass. And, and definitely when you come back and you're, your buddy's found an animal or been into him, you know, it gives you some, some more hope or it gives you that, that positive attitude for the next day. So yeah, man, I, I just love sharing hunts with buddies and then reliving those hunts. And, you know, it's, it's also, you know, it's fun to hunt solo too and make all your own decisions. And I think it's a good mix and match, you know, on these different hunts, but definitely fun to share it with buddies. So you, you guys went up to Alaska. I was so impressed that you were committed to your bow to arrowing a bear up there. Yeah, man. Um, so Caleb, he actually lives up there. He moved up there, uh, about a year after I moved up here to Denver. Um, and so he, he had been, uh, running some baits up there and, uh, I mean, I go up there every summer just to go fish, hang out with them, and uh, went up there last year, had a bear tag. Um, last year was all spot and stock. Caleb killed a bear opening night, um, and then we ended up only seeing one more bear for the uh, next seven days that I was there, and it was definitely a bear too small um, and wouldn't have shot it. So I came back this year almost with like a, a, a determination like so much more than last year to kill a bear and uh Caleb had been running some baits so he was like hey there there's bears in the area um for sure so we um I mean I was like I told myself 100% I said if it's on bait it will be with a bow no question now if I get down to like the last day and we're um like spot and stock glassing somewhere then I'm not above shooting something with a rifle I I just love to hunt so whether it's with a bow or a rifle, I'll do both. Um, but I told myself it, it had to be with the bow if I was anywhere near the bait, and uh, that's what ended up happening. I didn't actually shoot my bear on the bait. It was on the way into the bait. Um, but uh, it, it basically ended up being a, a spot and stock situation in the trees. Made it to 35 yards from uh, a, a pretty solid boar. He was just shy of Pope and Young. Um and he was 35 yards quartering to me so i just held up into that uh into that pocket right behind his shoulder and my buddy Braden, he was right next to me and uh my pins hit him and i just pin gapped him and uh i w i was shaking a little bit i was a little excited and uh my my buddy Braden, uh he whispered to me he's like dude it's it's just a 3d target and as soon as he said that my pins just locked on him and uh I mean, that shot broke so good, 
and that arrow went exactly where I wanted it to. Bear made it maybe 20 yards and was dead within 10 seconds tops of being shot. Um, and, I mean, it, it was just an absolute blast. It was an incredible experience, man. Man, I would say, um, how killer. Yeah, turned into a spot and stock. Uh, man, uh, that's as exciting as it gets. Bears are just a, a, a different critter than shooting a deer or an elk. When it's, you know, and, and bears, black bears are like the entry level to dangerous game. But isn't that thrilling? Yeah, it was... <laughs> It was uh, it was a good time, and actually, uh, right after I had shot my bear, um, we ended up getting bluff charged by another bear, and that was didn't didn't really like that. Um, but uh, yeah, me and my me and my buddy Braden, we were sitting there, and we were just giving the bear some time. We knew it was dead, um, but I mean, neither of us wanted to walk up on a wounded bear, so we uh, we said, give him thirty minutes. Um, and then we'll walk over to him. So we sat down, took our packs off and everything. Um, and a, a sow, a younger sow, had worked down the ridge. And at this point now, we're sitting maybe 20 yards from the bait. Um, and we're, we were talking normal voices, totally normal conversation. So we're like, ah, oh, no bears are going to come in. But this sow ended up working down. And um, probably not the most responsible decision, but we were like, oh, this is kind of cool. We'll just watch her eat on the bait 20 yards away. <laughs> And, uh, we weren't in a stand or anything, just right there on the ground, watch her eat. And like, we maintained normal voice levels and everything. And, uh, she would just look at us every two, three minutes. And then after about 30 minutes had passed, uh, I was like, okay, let's, let's go over to my bear. And we had to walk basically right by the bait to get to where my bear had died. Um, just the way the, uh, the Creek bottom was. And, uh, that sow was sitting there and so we stood up and tried getting loud um getting her to move off and uh it you know you're not supposed to try to get bears to move away from their food but um one could say we're dumb teenagers and we don't make the best decisions uh so tried to get the bear off the bait and she wouldn't move um so threw a stick at the side of the barrel and hit the barrel so it made a, a big bang and uh she turned and she walked down the way that that bait was set up. Um, the, uh, bear was on the other side of a little Creek bed. Um, and it was probably about 20 feet down to the Creek bed, but you had to be like right on the edge to see down into the bottom. And I ended up shooting him across the, uh, across the ravine, but, uh, to get to a spot to cross it, you had to walk right up by the bait. So she had started working down and it, it appeared that she was working, further up the uh the creek bed so like okay we'll just slip over to my bear real quick and be all good and uh, as soon as i hit like to the bait um her head popped back up from the the ravine and i'm holding my bow a camera trying to hold my pack on on one shoulder and uh so i mean i'm i was close to being a snack <laughs> and um brayden he had a he had a pistol on him and drew it just used to be safe and she uh popped her jaw at us a couple times and then uh it, she she reared her uh her front legs up off the ground and and lunged and huffed super deep and so Braden just shot one into uh into a tree it was about five feet to the right of her and then she turned and and took off but uh 
Well, I, I guess you could probably say that uh, we weren't the, the wisest in our decisions. Um, but, yeah, it definitely was not an experience that I would want to have again. <laughs> yeah, man, it gets sketchy quick, doesn't it, on those bears? Um, yeah, and you can kind of, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and look back and go, yeah, it wasn't the best decision to spook her off or to get by that bait, you know, but but ultimately, you know, there is like some risk involved with hunting those black bears and they have been charged by, you know, at least a couple and then popped at with their jaws and stood up on and, you know, definitely had some get ornery. It that that pistol is such a handy thing to have when you're hunting black bears because those those situations, they turn bad so quick that you don't have time with a bow and arrow. You don't have time, you know. Like, like you have to react then and now and having that pistol, like even, you know, to defend yourself, but that, that pop or that shot is just the universal language for, for back off. You know, those, those bears, they just know it and they know it in Alaska. The grizzlies know it. They know it in Montana. Like, um, so, so I, I always think that's an advantage over having bear spray and, and bear spray, I've carried it for years, and it is lighter than than a pistol. You know, my rule of thumb is is if I'm if I'm hunting black bears anymore, I, I carry my pistol with me, um, just because I have had some of those situations. And then, you know, uh, in grizzly bear country, especially if I've got buddies with me, I'll usually take my pistol instead of bear spray. And, and that's just as of recently. You know, we we've just had so many attacks around this valley. Just got to be prepared in that. That one advantage is, is that you've got that pop to kind of scare them away. Where that that bear spray, man, you you gotta have a you, you gotta you gotta have a, a, a stone cold courage, or you uh, I want to say nuts of steel. Like you gotta just sit there and just wait for that thing to get so close to you. Like the, its effective spray is 15 feet. So you've just gotta stand there and wait for that thing to get so close and try to put a a, a good cloud in front of it and down at its face and um i haven't had to spray any yet i've had some buddies that have had to spray them um but i i've definitely had to shoot one charging with a pistol and one charging with a bow um so yeah man and and had to shoot at a couple more or shoot towards a couple more whether it was me or a buddy to kind of spook them off from popping jaws and things but yeah they uh, they don't feel like entry level to dangerous game when you have one that close popping its jaws or standing up, do they? Yeah, no. Uh, f- the closest that sow got was about five, six yards, and that was a whole heck of a lot closer than I wanted to be. <laughs> oh man, that's so close! And they can run thirty-five miles an hour. You know, they just be on you and just a, a matter of nothing. But yeah, it's it's good to learn from those situations too, and just make sure that you're prepared for them because you know the. As you're learning that that wilderness is a wild place, you know, and you got to be prepared to keep yourself safe in different situations. And that's, you know, whether hunting muleys or um, elk above tree line, like the one you killed last year, or you know, bears in Alaska. Yeah, man, it's. Uh, I mean, all it is is just learning experiences. I mean, every single hunt I go on, even if it's not a hunt, even if I'm just scouting, there's always knowledge to be gained, which is uh is one of my favorite things i just i just love soaking it all up and in having the experience because i mean there there's not that many kids my age that that have had or will ever get to have the experiences i've had which i'm incredibly grateful for um and i think that's one of the reasons that i just love hunting so much is 
because there's experiences that that I get to have that other people will never experience. Dude, you've got it. You've got the passion, you know, wholeheartedly. Uh, it's good. You found out what you love, and um, like you say, you're on this quest for knowledge, which is which is amazing. That's the the way it should be. And you're going to progress so much faster than us other guys because I truly believe like you're the next generation. You get to benefit from all this knowledge out there and 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 benefit from, you know, these great mentors that you're hanging out with, you know. And so you get to take that and improve your own hunting skill set. And it's why you've seen, you know, so much success already at a young age and why you have so much success in front of you, you know, in your bow hunting career. So you're just on a great path. I, I just keep doing what you're doing. And it, it's amazing, like, how many different, like, uh, facets of learning there are. And I, I you know, I, I know I talk about it quite a bit. And the, the archery one, like, you have immersed yourself in. You have went to improving your skills and to be as good as you can be with a bow. But there's all these other skills that come into it, you know, like – like backpacking skill, like, um, you know, like toughness mentally, like, uh, uh, how much of a grind are some of the hunts that you've been on where you just got to keep your mind in it and keep hunting? Um, so mentally, uh, draining is probably the antelope hunt, uh, that me and one of my buddies do every year. It's, it's not physically demanding at all. Um, because <laughs> we basically just ride around in the truck until we glass of bucks six seven hundred yards off the side of the road and make a stock but um there is so many failed stocks made that it's at the end of the day it's like dude what's the point what's the point but then it's like you wake up the next day and you're just like ready and you're like oh i want more of it um so that that's probably the most mentally demanding um physically demanding was probably actually the uh, mule deer hunt that I did two years ago. Um, that was my first mule deer with bow, first velvet buck. And me and one of my really good buddies, we did in three days. Um, so I was 16 at the time. He was 17. Um, or maybe he was 18. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just the two of us. We had, uh, three and a half days basically to hunt. And that was about all the time I was going to get in the season to hunt. And in that, three days I ended up killing my buck the morning of the last day and three days I think we did 47 miles um and I mean I was 16 at the time that was like that was a lot of miles for a little wimpy old me <laughs> and uh that I mean it was just me and him 16 17 year old kids and uh ended up getting it done on on a buck that I I was super super happy with um but I mean that was that was a killer 47 miles in three days and uh i went went to home went home and swear i slept for another 48 hours <laughs> oh good for you a true adventure yeah it was it was awesome man we, there was that was such a good time man just um it's that type two fun justice it's like uh it it's not always fun while you're doing it or it can be grueling or grinding to put on those kind of miles but it sure is fun, like, when you finish or when you get back home. It's, like, all you can think about. Yeah. that's. Uh, I was actually just having a conversation with uh, with Braden on the phone yesterday about it. Um, and it's, like, when you're hiking and stuff, it's, like, oh, when's it going to end? Like, this sucks. But then, like, right after uh, the two of us got home from Alaska, 
we were like, dude, like we already want to get out and go, go chase animals again. Like there's, there's no downtime. It's just, it's always on our minds. It's, it's the only thing that consistently occupies our minds. And, uh, I mean, besides girls, um, <laughs> but, uh, those are about the, the only two things that, uh, that are always on our minds and it's, it sucks in the moment, but, um, it's it is so worth it and it is so much fun oh man yeah you got the sickness i i think you got the same sickness as me and a lot of your mentors you know it's like um it's such a fun endeavor you know and it's so fun to to have passion for something and something that requires you know you to to um work at it year round and to live this lifestyle of of shooting and um you know and being able to keep you know physically fit and um being able to tackle these mountains and mentally tough and then you know take on all the dangers that go along with it so good on you man you're just um you're you're pointed the right direction leading a life of adventure and there's just like from experience from from you know me being 40 now like there's just no finer life to live you know it it doesn't get old and i think um the sickness and the love for it grows every single year so if you you can imagine you know i've been crazy for it now for 20 some years and it seems like this year i am i'm you know more excited than i've ever been more miles than i've ever put on worked with that bow you know i shot all my sessions like just doing all those little things because i know you know it all makes a difference in the end you know uh that 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 all that hard work pays off you know and um i just absolutely love it i'm like you i'm like an 18 year old kid that can't wait for hunting season so uh man i can just really relate that's good that's good yeah i uh I, I say that the day that feeling goes away is the day that I, I will stop hunting. So uh, I I hope that that it never never goes away and that the excitement always stays because uh, I there is genuinely nothing that I have found other than shooting my bow that I love more than being in the mountains chasing critters. Wow, you got it going. What hunts you got planned for this year? Um, so I drew, uh, that same deer tag again that I, uh, shot that velvet buck on. So for you, so so Um, you know it in there a little bit, huh? Yeah. So this is my third year with that tag. Um, and there's, there's a a basin that I've, I, I need to get into actually here pretty soon. Um, but I'm, I'm really, really hoping a buck that I had found last year is still in there. Um, I'm praying he is still alive because he was a stud last year. Um, he was pretty old. He might've been peaking last year. Um, he might peak this year. I'm not sure, but, uh, they take a while to peak out too, man. They can still keep growing mega racks at eight, nine years old. Like I, I remember finding a buck, um, and I found him in, um, I actually killed his running mate and I had found him in 2008 in Wyoming. And this buck was a specimen. Like he was like a, like he was really young, like a like a three or four year old buck, but really close to two hundred inches with stickers and kickers and stuff Good coming man. off everywhere. And his running mate was an older buck that was super narrow but really tall. He still to this day is one of my favorite bucks I've ever shot. He's got a big inline, super heavy. He's like he's eighteen inches wide and he scores one eighty five. 
Gosh. So he's like this really narrow, super tall buck. But anyways, this buck that he was running with, this young 200-inch buck or 195-inch buck, um, I I got a chance. I killed that that taller, narrow buck, and so I didn't draw the tag again until 2012. And so this is like four years later. So, you know, I'm thinking this buck was like – I, I really thought this buck was four years old when I found him. So this would make him eight years old. And I found him three drainages away, but he had the same matching kickers and stickers on him, but he had just thrown on more trash. He's still to this day probably the biggest buck I've ever seen at probably 230 inches, 240 inches. I don't even know when they get that big justice. But he was. I got all these great photos of him, and he just had kickers and inlines and stickers and – you know, all kinds of trash and like this really nice 28, 30 inch frame, like um, really good front and back for just dream buck. But, you know, that buck, he had to be eight years old, you know, if not nine years old. When I found the buck, you know, he, he very well could have been four or five even, you know. So um, I, I think it takes him a while to go downhill and uh, some of these larger, older age class bucks. I've been hunting one in Montana that – um that that I found this year for the third year in a row and um I was tagged out and my cousin had a tag and um ended up shooting right in front of him with a rifle or whatever and he disappeared but I've seen him the last 3 years and he gets bigger every year this year he is a freaking giant Yeah man that's uh I mean like that's how I want to want to end up is to where I can hunt multiple states and still be able to consistently find deer like I'm just getting I'm at the point where I'm starting to get a unit figured out. Um, I mean, like that's the, that's the dream is to is to get it figured out where I can I can consistently find deer in in different states, um, which I I just think that's that's awesome. So you're well on your way. Yeah, I mean that is the biggest challenge. Like uh, different species or or like the same species but different habitats across the entire United States, and it's. Like mule deer are one of the special ones where, you know, you can hunt them above timberline in that alpine environment like you're going to do this year in Colorado. Like that is so special up in there. And in all these different mountain ranges, you know, from Nevada to Wyoming, like uh, it's the most remote country in the lower 48. And we get to go backpack it and hunt for mule deer in it for, you know, usually a few hundred bucks and a drawn tag. It's pretty special, you know, but then you go all the way from there to hunting the desert and hunting those dark heavy horn bucks in the desert or the foothills you know the sage foothills or rolling coolies i know i've got a a really good high desert tag this year that i'll probably never draw again uh but it's really high desert sagebrush ribbon rock cliffs open country just dream hunting for mule deer there's so many great habitats and and i think that's like the true testament to um, uh, being the best hunter you can be is to be able to go to all these different places and hunt all these different species in different habitats, be able to turn them up and be and successfully harvest them. But I just think that's the ultimate test. So yeah, you got some big goals in front of you. Yeah, man, it's uh, it it should be a good year. Um, I'm gonna hunt just OTC elk and antelope here in Colorado again. Nice. Does um, antelope are fun, huh? That's that is genuinely one of my most favorite hunts, <laughs> Me and too. I think it's just because there's so much opportunity. Uh, like you're just consistently seeing animals, and uh, trying to get in on an animal that can see eight times better than we can in zero cover 
is it's so much fun um and it, i'm i'm real real excited for that one i'm i'm hoping i can put a buck um buck down as good as last year shot a good buck last year and that was that was super special um but yeah man it, it should be a good year colorado actually did something really cool this year they did a uh, a secondary draw so they took um if I remember correctly, some of the leftover tags and, uh, instead of just doing the leftover list, they did, uh, they put them into a secondary draw and I ended up, I drew a, uh, it's a private land only rifle doe tag, um, in the same unit that I have my buck tag in. Um, but it goes from September 1st to November 30th and in Colorado with a rifle tag, you can hunt with a bow. So I've got basically three full months that I can I can try to shoot a doe um so that one is just going to be with a bow and uh actually leave next week um back to Alaska to help uh Caleb's dad on a doll sheep hunt and that I am super excited for wow dude that's amazing yeah it uh I'm I am super excited next week cannot get here soon enough man how cool um Man, get to go up and hunt doll sheep in Alaska. That's pretty special. Uh, yeah, good for you. What a great opportunity. Man, that alpine in Alaska is just beautiful. And to be able to join in on a doll sheep hunt, um, gosh, what what an amazing experience. Good for you for saying yes and heading up there. Uh, yeah, you got a big season planned. Um, you know, I, I liked what – I just want to go back to what you were saying about hunting the antelope and so much opportunity. You know, it just goes back to our conversation of those – facets uh facets of hunting skill and um stalking and being able to get close to animals is, is definitely like a huge portion of being successful it's this huge skill set and i just think those antelope and like your doe tag that you mentioned like that's an added opportunity with your bow to spot and stalk and trying to get a a good arrow through those animals but man it's like through those opportunities is what really improved my hunting skill especially those those antelope they're so good like you say eight times our vision they pick up such good movement and they're in open terrain it seems like you don't even have to poke your head up over the hill and they'll catch you moving and so <laughs> yep they really teach you what you can get away with and what you can't and you fail on stocks or if you get reckless they catch you you can't make any mistakes on those things everything's got to be perfect and so they just really help educate your stocking skill you know which that pays such dividends and i've said it before but you know during elk season you might get two or three stocks on a bull or maybe five stocks on a bull if you really get into them and you're good at creating opportunities in antelope man you can get three to five stocks a day it just makes you such a better spot and stock bow hunter i think yeah it's uh that that hunt i've done the last two years um and the first year that we did it actually me and my buddy um we went later in the season and, uh, I had just, I shot him a text. I was like, Hey dude, do you want to go hunt OTC antelope? And like in Colorado, that's not something that people think about. People think of Colorado as like the elk state. And they're like, Oh, OTC elk, OTC elk. But, uh, it, I mean, there's great antelope opportunities in Colorado. And so he was like, yeah, sure. So we bought some tags, went later in the season and, uh, in, not even a full day. We had until like five o'clock that evening to hunt. Each of us got four stocks 
in the one day. So good. Yeah. And and it just feels so good to put it together and get a good arrow in those things. You know, they're so tough to harvest. Yep. Yeah. That was uh, that first year. Neither of us ended up killing an antelope. Um, but last year, each of us were lucky enough to. Um, and uh, my buddy, Justin, that I antelope hunt with. I mean, that dude just I mean, he pounded it out last season and uh, it towards the tail end of the season. uh he went out again, and and the the unit that we hunt, it's it's just so tough because there's very little terrain, very little vegetation, um, so it's it's just so difficult to to make good stocks. And uh, he went out and ended up shooting a really good buck. I think it went like sixty seven and a half, um, but I mean just a, a really really pretty buck. And uh, he ended up slipping in. I think if I remember correctly, shot it at fifty five yards. So I mean being able to slip in to within 60 yards of an antelope is super impressive and i was i was almost more excited for him than even i was about my antelope because he absolutely ground the season out last year oh good for him that's what it takes some seasons are just like that some species are just like that an antelope can definitely do that to a guy uh, but yeah, good on him. And then congratulations to you pulling it off on an antelope last season, man. So cool. Uh, they're just a, such a fun animal to to hunt and stalk. They just really improve our hunting skills. So yeah, man, that's awesome. You um you got a huge season in front of you. But uh, I I just uh, I'm so impressed at the the success you've already had and the path you're on and absorbing information. I just thought uh, what a great guest to talk about you know, the next generation. So like, what advice do you have for, for other guys out there that are looking to get into archery or get into bow hunting? Um, how would you advise them to, to be able to get proficient enough to harvest an animal? Um, don't be above asking questions. If you think you have a stupid question, ask it because we all have stupid questions, but we all need answers to our stupid questions. Um, so just, go out and and look for those sources of knowledge because without the knowledge you're not going to be able to be successful um so go out ask questions and uh i mean put boots on the ground go out there hike 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 study onyx look for um just i mean gps maps google earth whatever get an area figured out and uh I mean, the the biggest thing is just ask questions and try to find those knowledge sources because they are going to put you so much further in the game than you could ever put yourself. Man, I love it. I think that's great advice. Yeah. Well, um, thanks so much, so much, Justice. Um, man, it's so good to get you on the podcast and have a chat with you. Um, you you've got insight far beyond your years. Uh, it's just great advice to the listeners out there and a great conversation. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, man. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Well, um, yeah, uh, fill those tags this year and then come back on and tell me how the season went. Yes, sir. I will for sure. All right. Sounds like a plan. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Uh, fun conversation with Justice Nielsen. Uh, Justice, I really believe he's the next generation of hunter. And um, 
you know, he just gets to learn from from all us guys in the field. It's the information day and age. And there's, you know, now there's podcasts out there and there's, um, you know, so many people, you know, sharing secrets about what makes them success on public ground to where, you know, when I started, there was a, you know, a few books that you could read, you know, some that were outdated, uh, some some articles, but there just wasn't much information out there. So, you know, I just had to dive in and make a ton of mistakes and learn along the way and really figure out, like, figure out what, you know, the the, the pattern of success or, or what, you know, even just to recognize situations where I could be successful in the field. And, and I had to learn this trial and error, which was great for me. And it, it taught me a, a lot of great lessons and it's made me the hunter I am. But in that same breath, like this younger new generation, they get to learn from our mistakes. It's the information day and age where they can soak in all this information from podcasts and, and other great hunters through social media and things. So they just have an awesome opportunity to, to be even better and accomplish more than, um, you know, than, than guys uh, of my age class, you know, which is just awesome. I love connecting with these guys. They're passionate young, full of life, and uh, just ready to go all in. So uh, fun conversation with Justice. Um, man, I'm I'm still all in. I absolutely love this, this bow hunting lifestyle. Uh, I couldn't have had more fun this season. Um, really went hard and uh, able to capitalize on opportunities, um, which is a huge part of bow hunting. Uh, so it's just been an amazing journey. Uh, also, I want to thank our, our sponsors for today's show. I want to thank Swagger Bipods and Sitka Hunting Clothing. If you guys are in the market for a new bipod or uh, any new uh, clothing for your, your, your hunting system, uh, make sure to check out those two companies. And thanks to Eastman's for all their support they give me for the podcast and writing and filming and things of that nature. So uh, make sure to check out everything we do there. And yeah, I'm just... Um, I'm on cloud nine riding a high. That was um, that was a heck of a hunting season. I still have a couple more hunts left. I've got some couple more mule deer hunts left uh, late season here in my home state, and then I have a traveling one in January. So uh, I'll I'll be uh, super pumped and preparing for those. But man, um, hard work and effort equals success, and I love those life lessons. And it couldn't be truer this season. Um, put in the work as far as shooting and, and running and fitness and um, just doing all those little things. And once it comes season, it sure pays dividends. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm so proud and happy of what I was able to do with my opportunities. It's, it's really about capitalizing on these opportunities. And I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the stock you know, it's like I just keep getting better and maturing as a hunter, uh, more patience. I mean, that, that saying, patience kills the buck, that is true. Patience kills the bull, that is true, especially when you're a spot and stock hunter. And just knowing when to, to push it or go all in or when to sit back and just shadow the herd or sit back and watch that big buck until he makes a mistake and gives me an opportunity uh, but I, I'm really making the right calls, the right decisions, and there's so many of these micro decisions that come together to either equal a blown stock or, you know, a critter with a perfect arrow in them that dies, you know, so um, all these micro decisions that go into it and these nuances to it, and uh, I just, uh, gosh, when it's going right, I mean, it's easy to say that 
that you know I'm I'm like seeing it like the Matrix, but uh, I I really do feel like I'm seeing it in this new light. Like I'm maturing as a bow hunter, and um, this patience and just knowing that when I get the opportunity, I can close in and put a perfect arrow. But I'm just not pushing bad situations, or I'm not, um, you know, I'm not. I can just see it more clearly that it's going to work or it has a good chance to work out or it doesn't, you know, these high percentage opportunities and knowing when to go all in. So, man, I am just, I am loving it. Uh, man, it's been so much fun. And, you know, for me, it's just, it's back to work, back to the grindstone. I haven't missed many runs. Uh, as soon as I'm off or out of the mountains, I'm getting in runs and now, uh, starting to push it back with elevation and miles. I got a really good one in yesterday. In fact, I can feel it in my calves a little bit today, which is a good thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm just, um, boy, you give me a taste of that success like I had this season, and it just proves to me that that hard work, you know, that it that that everything that I'm doing, all these moves I'm making, committing myself to this bow hunting lifestyle, it's all panning out and working out, which you know. I've known for the last 10 years for sure, but um, every time it happens to me and I get that feeling, gosh, when you arrow an animal and you put a perfect arrow and you watch them run over the hill or you watch them drop, that sense of accomplishment, that feeling, that is, um, it's tough to describe and it's some of the, the the best, most accomplished feelings in my in my life like that it's just this overwhelming sense of, of uh accomplishment just like there isn't much in life that that makes me you know scream out or uh makes me pump my fist you know uh it's just so pumped i love it so much and want it so bad and when it comes together man it's just absolutely beautiful and so getting that feeling multiple times this season it just makes me want to work that much harder uh, success doesn't make me want to sit on my laurels. Uh, it it makes me want to want to shoot more. Want makes me want to work harder as I know that that is the recipe for success, and um, I want to taste it again. And I know you know I had some tough hunts this season, but um, you know things came together for me, and they could be a lot tougher in years to come. And I just want to continue to taste that uh, that success or that accomplishment or that. Um, you know, there's, there's just absolutely nothing like it. I love it. Like you guys love it. That's why you guys are listening to the podcast and I can't thank you enough for the support of the podcast. Uh, all the kind messages, um, you know, with, you know, that seeing, seeing you, seeing me harvest a big bull is just the, uh, the accomplishment, but I, I really, uh, appreciate the accolades and, um, congratulations and, um, just means the world, and I just want to show you guys my support as well. And uh, I love seeing your guys' pictures come through. I don't, I can't count how many messages I've got that, hey, your podcast helped me do this, or hey, your podcast helped me look at this in a different light, and here's my trophy critter. So I'll start posting a few of those on social media, but I'm just so pumped and happy for you guys that are putting in the work and and believing in this podcast and, and, uh, you know, what these guests and what I'm telling you and believe in it wholeheartedly and going out and finding your own success on public ground and high pressure units on trophy critters. It's just absolutely amazing. And, uh, I'm humbled by your guys' support and, uh, I absolutely can't thank you enough. So, um, man, good hunting to you guys this season. Keep after them and, uh, I'll keep bringing you these podcasts. So we'll check in with you guys next week.